Division 8 community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division and community, and where we want to create a space and a time for you to remember how to think instead of tell you what you should think. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here, as always, with my co-host, John Wagler. Wags, what's going on, man? It's cold outside. It is cold. You hate it. I do. I, You know, I, here's just the reality. Everyone's happier when it's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we've said that before, but I just, it's just true. You know, because you're... You gotta, you gotta shiver. Everyone's like, and then you're like hot when you come inside because you're like so cold outside. It's just a range of emotions I don't love dealing with. Mm. As someone who came from somewhere where it's warm all the time, yeah, I would posit that people are also crazier when it's warm all the time. <laughs> They're much more free to do yeah, that. Yeah, that happy laughter of being warm quickly turns yeah. into the kind of like a Joker type laughter. Yeah, <laughs> just mania. <laughs> I like having all the seasons. It's not, you know, like I would. Listen, I love hoodie season, so um, it's just like when it gets that little bitter cold. I don't like that. It's pretty. It's nasty out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're sitting here talking about the weather on a podcast that is almost entirely about talking about substantive <laughs> topics. Um, yeah. So we uh, are back uh, here in 2020. Thanks for tuning in to our two-part episode um, about um, just sort of the Christianity Today thing and uh, kind of the state of evangelicalism as a word in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, we are going to be talking about, um, again, something that was kind of news in December, but we are trying to um, make it a practice of our podcast to let things simmer a little bit, like to not be knee-jerk about things and, and let things think. So or let us think through things. So this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Bethel and their sort of corporate um, push for uh, the resurrection of a two-year-old girl who was the daughter of one of their worship leaders who passed away very unexpectedly. Um, so we're going to get into that. Before we do, we just want to let you guys know a couple of different things. Uh, we've got some great programming coming up. We really um, have set a goal for this year to grow the podcast, and we yeah. want to we want y'all's help in doing that. One way that you can help is we are going to create social media, or we have created social media. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, it's Instagram.com slash StayCuriousPod, or you can just search StayCuriousPod and follow us there. And then um, on Twitter, it's at StayCuriousCast, all one word. Uh, both of them are all one word. We would love for you to follow us on both platforms, um, on Twitter only. Don't sign up for a Twitter account <laughs> if you're not already. We would never ask don't, that. Don't of go down that. Don't, yeah, we, we don't want you. We don't want to be responsible for being a stumbling block onto your feet. <laughs> Uh, and make you go on the bad website if you're not there already. But if you are a Twitter person, um, follow us there. We're going to be reposting articles, um, hopefully having some conversations. Um, And then on Instagram, it's going to be a great way to just kind of, again, keep up with articles that we talk about, um, learn when there's new episodes up, and hopefully we can sort of engage everyone in some um, uh, running conversation via social media. Um, So go follow us, Instagram at StayCuriousPod, and Twitter at StayCuriousCast. So thanks for doing that. All right. Without Let's further, do it. Without further ado. All right. Um, I should say, I'm excited about what we plan, though, for the year already. Yeah. Like our February stuff and yeah. the March and April. Yep. It's exciting. Like I'm really excited about some of the changes we're making to the podcast and some of the things for your listening pleasure. Yeah. We're going to try everything. To, yeah. So, going to try to engineer it a little more. Yeah. Get it out there. 
Um, so it's going to be good. Keep an, keep an eye out for that. And thanks for listening. So um, a quick overview of the Bethel situation. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was, I, I may have my dates wrong, but sometime in mid-December, I believe it was December 14th um, uh, of this past year, uh, Olive, who's the two-year-old daughter of um, one of the worship leaders at the very, very popular Bethel Music sort of organization, um, passed away very unexpectedly. And um, the church, well, it started with just the mom, but then mm-hmm. the church as a whole um, sort of started to push out a call for prayer to resurrect her um, from the dead. So after it happened, uh, her mother, Olive's mother, Callie, who um, I believe that's how you say her name, uh, who's a you know has like something like two hundred fifty thousand Instagram followers, um, started to just sort of build this call for people to pray for very specifically resurrection, so that um, Olive would be brought back to life. Um, Bill Johnson, uh, who is sort of the leader of Bethel, um, him and his wife took it over in the 90s, uh, sort of boosted the the message and then the church as a whole uh, on their massive social media following, and of course in the church, which is also large, mm-hmm. um, just started to sort of boost the message that, hey, we're going to pray for this little girl to come back to life. Um, I think less than less than 10 days or so later um they went ahead and started to plan a memorial service so the miracle did not happen um and that kind of leads us to today where there's just been a lot of opinions it's it's uh within christian media with outside of christian media of this sort of call for a big miracle that didn't happen um it's raised a lot of conversation amongst i think especially our church community because we have people from all different faith backgrounds um, and a lot of people who have experienced what you what we call church hurt from yeah. some certain aspects of like charismatic culture. And um, so, yeah, we just wanted to sort of, this is a, a special episode because generally I'll give you guys a little peek behind the curtain. John and I talk about things a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way before we talk about them on the podcast. Like we go back and forth about stuff. Yeah. We've never had a conversation That's about true. like yeah. modern day miracles or, or, yeah this sort of thing. I mean, at all. So this is live. I'll <laughs> we'll have to see if I want to fire you or not. I mean, <laughs> I would love to keep my job, but I, we all know that I'm also like to stir it up. Um, so yeah, John, kind of when you started reading about this and people started asking you about it, walk me through what your sort of primary reaction or thoughts were. Yeah. So a little bit quickly about my background. I grew up in a church that was more on the charismatic end. So when I say charismatic, I mean, uh, the full kind of gifts that you see throughout scripture from speaking in tongues to prophetic word to healing to uh, you name it. I experienced it growing up uh, or saw things growing up. And so um, I grew up with a part of that in my background. Then then for a large, <laughs> long season of my life, I kind of like had a theological war against that and swung aggressively to the other side of the conversation and then have since kind of come back a little bit in towards the middle. I, I think I am, um, of appreciating certain elements of it, but you know, when I first saw it, uh, so Bethel is a church out in California and they have a supernatural school. Um, that is, that is really what they concentrate on really is the supernatural acts and, um, that we see in scripture and that they see as missing throughout like the general church. And so they really focus on that a lot. There's some a lot of incredible things have happened out of Bethel, from the music to um, some people like some 
pretty supernatural things have happened, like from healings to different things, and some really cool stuff has happened. I I will say for me personally, I, I'm a little um, skeptical, I think, of how much they concentrate on the supernatural. Mm. And so I remember at one point reading through their curriculum for the supernatural, and it, this might have changed since I, I read it. Um, but the last time I read it was probably a year and a half ago, and they didn't even mention Jesus. Hmm. And so, so the, it's not that they don't believe in Jesus or anything that I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's heretical. I'm not saying they aren't Christians or anything like that. It's just historically when people only focus on the supernatural stuff, eventually it gets weird and off track because they stop focusing on, on like kind of the more practical elements of Jesus. And so, um, you know, at one point in one of Bill's books, he said that, if you don't see some supernatural act of the spirit in your church service, then you must not be preaching the gospel, hmm. which I could not possibly disagree with more. Right. And so there is an element. So when I saw it pop up, my first, I'm just being candid. My first thing was kind of like, oh, is this another Bethel thing? Mm-hmm. And um, and so, and again, I do want to, I do want to emphasize, I am not anti-Bethel. I'm not. So if someone's like, I love Bethel, like that's cool. I'm just. There are just an element to this, like with some of the things they focus on so much with the supernatural. It's like that wasn't even Jesus's focus. We, we, you know, we see the supernatural in scripture, but that wasn't his big focus. So there is like a part of that where I'm kind of like, I'm always just like, uh, uh, it's like there's something about it that just makes me just hit pause for a second. And um, however, as I'm reading it, I'm not going to lie. I prayed because I was like. I want to believe in a God that could re- resurrect Allah from the dead. So I'm going to pray with them for this. So I, um, because there is like a part of me too, when it comes to miracles and supernatural things that I think we miss out on because we, we rationalize God so much. Mm. And when we rationalize God, we actually elevate ourselves because we think, well, you know what? That happened because like this doctor did that, or that happened because I did, or we came together and, and so we just rationalize God so much. And I think that it reveals our pride and our arrogance and selfishness and everything. So um, I stopped and I prayed for a little while for her. And because I was like, I want to be the kind of person and the kind of Christian that believes in the miracle. And I want to jump on board and, and be like, I want to be a part of this. Like if this were to happen, like I want to be like, you know what? I did. I From all the way across the country, I, I prayed for Olive. So that was like my initial reaction. What about you? Um. So my initial reaction to this stuff, I was raised in um, a less charismatic uh, background. It's a Methodist church um, and, uh, you know, very closed canon uh, type theology uh, where miracles happened, but they don't necessarily happen now or maybe not in the way that they did then or whatever. Um, And I still pretty much hold to that. Now, I think it is interesting. I want to highlight this idea of... I've been reading a lot lately about just the idea of the incarnation. Like, what does it mean that God came to earth mm-hmm. in the form of Jesus? Like the the phrase incarnation, right? And the term Christ. I'm reading Richard Rohr's book, The Universal Christ, right now. And um, I haven't really formed an opinion about it yet because I'm not deep enough in. But he does a really good job of being like, why do we just think this is Jesus's last name? Christ means something. So in the incar- it seems like just the nature of the incarnation is the balance of physical and spiritual, right? Natural and supernatural. Um, we'll say logical and what goes beyond reason, right? Reasonable right. and what goes beyond yeah. reason. So 
there is something to be said for um, some churches needing a little bit of charisma and some charismatic churches needing a little bit of reason, right? Sure. Um, it's We are called through the incarnation, I think, to do that. That said, <laughs> I when I read stuff like this and when I hear about stuff like this, I just see a lot of hurt. It, what it looks like to me is hurt. It looks like people being it, – it just brings up in me all of the times I've talked to people who are no longer Christians. Um, it seems like you could almost split every atheist that I know into three categories. Always been an atheist, so it never made sense to yeah. them. Um, uh, recovering Catholic, so just like too much liturgy, not enough substance. And the third would be like – hurt by charismatic culture <laughs> yeah um yeah sure uh, ju- there's ju- and we'll get into it but there's just a lot of w- when you believe what bill johnson states which is that god always wants to heal and if the healing doesn't happen the shortcoming is on our part yeah then what you have is a lot of people sometimes they're seven or eight years old sometimes they're teenagers sometimes they're adults who don't see the girl raised from the dead and then deeply believe that they were the weakest link in the chain or start to judge their neighbor by being like, I think Jim was the one who wasn't praying hard enough. We should like talk to Jim about his thing or whatever or whoever the other person is. So it kind of gets my hair up a little bit. I kind of, I think I told you like one of our friends texted me and asked me what I thought about it and I was already in a bad mood and I feel like I sent a, not an unkind text back, but a very like scathing, like this is ridiculous. Da, yeah. da, 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 da. It's like yeah. terrible, like we should embrace mourning and God conquered death, not so that we could just like raise other people from the dead physically and all this other stuff. So my initial reaction is definitely sort of at, uh, um, frustration or like I automatically see the bad in it and I have a very hard time seeing the good in it. Now I should also say that's not on my part necessarily a lack of faith. Like I am not the person who, if I did see some, I mean like I, so um, we are recording this just after the big Virginia gun rally. And like, I'm super ready to claim that the peace that was kept was a miracle. Sure. <laughs> like we all yeah, prayed yeah. for peace and peace is what we got. And, and like, it could have gone another way or yeah, I've seen people like, you just can't explain like why the cancer went away or whatever. So like I'm way on board for miracles happening. I just think that the context of this sort of thing, where like play this out in your head. Let's say live on social media, <laughs> this girl came back from the dead. Yeah. That would basically trigger the end times. Meaning like, <laughs> How many people how many people would be able to deny Christ and we would like enter into the third age? Yeah. So I you know, even if that were the case, I would I mean I you're being a little hyperbolic there, but like I I I the uh I would say this. Jesus performed crazy miracles that didn't move the needle in people's hearts. So even if Olivia had been raised from the dead. I, I'm not so sure it would have moved the needle that much. But is there proof in the gospel that people who witnessed the dead being risen weren't didn't it didn't move their, the needle? Yeah, yeah. So like, the, you have um, when he heals Lazarus. Um, there's a couple of moments where he you know brings someone back from the dead, and um, and of course then himself and uh yeah there's times like even like in john chapter six i believe it is you know like he tells people you've been you've been with me you've seen miracles and it's hard and he kind of describes that how hard it is to follow him and they walk away 
Mm. You know, and so if miracles were the be all end all to things, then everyone would have believed when Jesus was around, but they didn't. But I think also like in Mark 25, when he raises a little, that, well, she was 12, so to them, not a little girl, but when she raises the daughter of of the man, um, when he raises her from the dead, she's sleeping, get up. Um, he like, it's one of those miracles that he keeps a secret that he like turns to everybody. He's like, Oh no, she was just sleeping. And yeah, to me that sort of intimates like there's a pacing to these things that if all of these people knew exactly what I just did, things would move too quickly because they would all suddenly believe. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't believe that. Like I, I do believe in the pace that you're talking about that because like when he was performing miracles, whether it's the feeding of the 5,000 or bringing someone back from the dead or the, the, healing the blind man whatever name a miracle right mm-hmm. he didn't people didn't automatically just jump on board with him they still were skeptical they still were like it It wasn't his miracles weren't disputed it was like where is he getting this power from mm-hmm. like that was always the thing even the Pharisees the religious teachers at that time that's how that was their big thing was like where are you getting this power from is this demonic or is this something else and I think to 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 your point about the pace of thing, whatever. Yes, like miracles can. It, it, this is the power piece. This is why I think when people focus on the supernatural too much, it's why it gets weird so quickly, mm-hmm. and why it gets off of what Jesus taught, because it becomes all about this like big moment and this big miracle and this like you're you're concentrating so much on that. Where when you look throughout the entirety of Scripture. Um, like take like Nehemiah, the entire book. There's not one, there's not one miracle in the whole book Mm. and the restoration of Jerusalem and all that stuff that happened. It was just like, he's like, I'm going to build this wall and it's very practical and it's going to happen. And then the practical nature kind of brought about a miracle in the people later on, but it was like all the practical stuff that like kind of built into that. So I think that in like the constant focus on the miracle or the supernatural leads you down a path that Jesus never intended. Because if it was just about miracles, he did plenty of them, Mm. but that's not what he taught Mm -hmm. like that. He didn't, he didn't teach about them as like that being like the main thing that gets people to believe it's not, it was, it was love, right? Like that was the, the main crux, the law of Christ is love. And so even when Paul talks about that, as he writes in first Corinthians and in Ephesians and in Galatians, and he talks about how we are all bound to the law of Christ. That that's love. He's that if it was about miracles, then he would have put that in there. You know, I, but I do want to phrase it. Cause also I think it's in Romans 15 where um, Paul writes about how he was like interacting with the Gentiles at that time. He does bring up miracles though as as a way that man there is something to the miraculous work that does it's like huh that like piques people people's interest a little bit but doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna believe Mm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that um all of a sudden it's like man they see olive you know raised from the dead now everyone's all in and i i actually think what would have happened and i really mean this i i think what would happen if they had had a video of olive being raised from the dead I think there would have been millions and millions and millions of people been like they doctored the video.
so. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that if a little girl got up and walked out of a morgue, whether there's a video of it or not, it would be a triggering event in the world. Because it wasn't like, so I was reading about um, an argument for like, here are some times when um, uh, one of the Christianity Today authors talks about his sister-in-law who is um, an African woman had like an account of a real resurrection, right? And it was very, like, it's not a public thing. Yeah. And I think that was true, not of all of Jesus's miracles, but a lot of them. And certainly Jesus performed miracles in a pre-media time, right? So like he still performed miracles in the context of like crowds gathered sure. to witness the miracles. We also know that for better or for worse, even like anthropologists who don't believe in Jesus at all or are not believers at all will agree that there's something about the miracle aspect of it that um, got Christianity to where it was, that made it spread like a wildfire. Like, um, I, again, I'm reading that book, uh, Triumph of Christianity, and it is a big thing about, like, miracles and rumors of miracles being, like, this triggering event. And there's got to be some reason that miracles, that Jesus performed miracles, and I I tend to believe that, that reason is because he want, he was trying to, like, light this fire that then he knew would spread um, after his own resurrection. Yes, I think, yes, it can, of course, perk up the attention of people. And when, I think when you look at miracles, what they are is a, they are a foretaste of the coming resurrection at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the way that God's going to restore all of this. And so when we see a miracle, that's a glimpse into hey, this is what eternity is going to be like. This is what, do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess what I was getting at with the like triggering of the end times thing, I was being a little hyperbolic, but for God, so taking what you just said, for God's plan to be that a Christian celebrity's daughter was raised from the dead would seem like a big triggering event. Like it would seem to me like, oh, this is a big, like God has a plan for this too. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying you're wrong that a bunch of people be like, oh, no, I don't care. I sure. still don't believe. Yeah. But like that it would be a triggering event in a way that like a little girl being bit by a snake and dying in the bush of um, Nigeria and then like coming back, like being brought back to life in this tiny village in this tiny corner of the world is not like a big triggering social event. That was why I was saying like it just would seem weird to me to expect that to happen on this big like social platform unless yeah. it were to be. Again, to like, because we see this big influx of miracles happening as ages change, right? Like there's the age that was, the age that is, the age that will be. Sure. And there's always, in the Bible, there's these like clusters of miracles. And then in between all this other crazy stuff that happens. But like there's these clusters, like Moses, there's just miracles left and right. Because Moses was like ushering in the next age of like God's story. And then Jesus obviously was the crux of like, Lots of miracles, lots of things, and then acts, lots of miracles there because they were, like, ushering in the next age. So I guess my comment about the end times was more like if this were to happen, it would seem like it would be an ushering in of, like, the next age to have yeah. a big public miracle happen. I think it's possible. I, I also just wonder, you know, what we think as big public miracle. I mean, it would have been massive. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to belittle. Like, if that happened, it would have been a big deal, clearly. Um but there are are a lot of like big miracles that happen across our world. Like other countries internationally see more miracles than we do here in America, and I think that's because honestly the biggest reason is because they expect them more. 
um, they pray for them more. And um, there's an arrogance to our Christianity here um, that is uh, different than some other places. It's the same in some other places. I get all that. But like there's, we've rationalized God a lot um, here. And so I think in other places where, and I've, and I've heard, missionaries tell stories of an unreal miracles and stuff that they've got on video and different things that have happened that it, it like moves the needle a little bit, but it just doesn't seem like it moves it in the way that we think it would, hmm. you know? And see, cause even like when you think about what was the, the version of social media in Jesus time was obviously word of mouth. It had to be. And, but he was doing miracles in front of thousands of people sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and they would then have to go tell other people, you know, and that attracted them. So it moved the needle in terms of like, I wonder what this is about, but then ultimately you have to dig into what Jesus taught and then whether or not you want to have the faith to believe in that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then of course now obviously his death and resurrection, but so I don't know. It's just like an interesting I don't know. I mean, it would have been so cool if it happened, like, but I'm not so sure it would have, it would have triggered something for sure. Like, I mean, you're right. It's a big social media following, but I'm not so sure it would have been as, as big as we think. Hmm. That's my perspective. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, you know, another thing we kind of wanted to talk about was what are the, I think you and I would agree. And, and those listening are, totally welcome to disagree we're not necessarily talking about like heresy or anything like that but you and i would probably agree that some of the specifically bill johnson's like theology is not what we would consider to be scripturally sound is that fair around miracles like even that comment about like it's our it's our problem basically if the miracle didn't happen yeah um i would not agree with that theology Hmm. personally there's also uh, a practice I was reading about that did you, was was like the idea of laying on a grave a thing that you remember being taught to like absorb. Uh, I I mean Bethel has done that. Yeah, to, um, to absorb what is it? You, you absorb the. I don't know. I I can't remember the details of that, but yeah, there's some folks from Bethel, and I would say that there. So there are some th- some stories that are told that come out of Bethel Mm -hmm. and what they do that probably don't represent Bethel well either. Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to get some people who get in there and then they take it in a route that Bethel will be like, Hey, we've never told people to go lay on a grave, you know, you know, or something like that. So I I don't want to just try and like pile on Bethel, (laughs) you know? Um, But I would, I think my greater concern, honestly, with, with some of the stuff with miracles is, um, First of all, if you believe in Jesus, you already believe in a miracle. Sure. So, like if you're if you're to say that you don't believe in miracles, then you would say you don't believe in kind of the supernatural connection from God and what's happening now, which would make you a deist and not mm-hmm. a, you know like not a believer in Christ. So, there's if you believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection or the fact that he was born in the way that we we believe it, then you believe in miracles. And so then if you believe in that, then you can believe in anything, really, like in terms of any kind of miracle to happen. And I think that should be a part of our faith. The The part that I think is so hard is miracles then, like right now, as, as we are recording this, my father-in-law is in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, because he had a stroke. And um, we are praying for a miracle for him. And I'm believing that, He's going to be healed and whatever that healing means, whether it's 
through the 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 through science and the way doctors work, you know, or um, because I believe like that's a miracle, like you know, and I know some people like no 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 that's science. I'm like, yeah, but the way God created all this stuff or how like that's still miraculous that we got to this point, and so um, I still view that as a miracle if it happens through. Yeah, you know, the, miracle can be a point of perspective, right? Yes. Like if you were to take a vial of penicillin in a time machine 250 <laughs> yeah. years ago, you'd be a miracle yeah, worker. Yeah, you'd be a miracle like, worker. Yeah. So I think like that's part of it. Um, but, uh, you know, so we're going to believe that and pray for it and, and see how that happens. Even if it's like a miracle outside of science, like we he wakes up tomorrow and like his, his all of his symptoms are gone, all that stuff. So that's where I'm at, like in my heart and everything. Um, but then you have folks who we've seen get healed and then we have others that have died, you know, or the sickness didn't go away or the cancer came back or, um, whatever. And I think the part of this conversation that gets so sticky is the shame piece that's can often be attached with, um, like to what, you know, you're referencing that statement that he made, like that God always wants to heal. And if he doesn't, it's basically our bad that he didn't. Like that just heaps on shame on people um, because if someone wasn't healed, then they can be sitting there thinking like, God didn't choose me. I'm not worthy. I must have sinned that God, that God's just looking at me in disgust because he doesn't want to heal me. And that sets up really a bad, um, it's like goes against everything Jesus taught in terms of loving people and everything. And that simply the fact that Jesus didn't heal everybody. Like he didn't, like he no. healed some people. Sometimes he healed one person and didn't heal the other lepers. Sometimes he walked into a crowd and sent them away when they were all asking for healing. And he goes like, well, they didn't have enough faith. Like, well, you don't know that. Yeah. Like they were, they were all running up to Jesus, believing they could be healed. So they had some kind of faith in it. Right. Like, so I think it's a dangerous way because you heap shame on people. And here's the thing about shame. Um, shame empowers sin. Mm. And sin separates us from God. Mm. And so when you're heaping shame on anyone for anything, you are then, you are, you are becoming a conduit to separate people from God. Uh, and that's why this whole idea of shame becomes so destructive. Um, you know, even the creation story, it's like sin happened, but what was it that empowered all that? It was the shame. Like they yeah. hid from God. Adam and Eve hid from God. So it's the shame. And we all know this in our lives. Like you think about, Anything we have going on, whether that's um, we have hidden shame of something we've done, said or thought, whatever, and we keep it hidden, like it empowers it, mm. you know. And so the, that's the part with some of this miracle stuff when we're like, because there are questions like, why does someone get healed and someone doesn't? I don't know. Like there, we there's no way to know. Could could it be sometimes that it's because someone really didn't have faith to get healed? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, like, there can be, like, in James, it talks about that, that, you know, there can be a, a part to that that was like, sure, that's part of the theological discussion, but overwhelmingly, like, it doesn't always go back to that, you know? And so, I don't know, the, the, I think we just have to be real careful around any of the miracle stuff and how we talk about it. I, in my perspective is, is that we pray for miracles. We pray for healings. We pray for God to work in supernatural and we expect him to work that way. Um, and then within that context, we have a responsibility then, then how do we love people well for those that don't experience it? So it's important, our phrasing and our theology and our context and all those things in terms of how we address, uh, any of it. And so uh, a great book, you know, you've already mentioned, you mentioned the Christianity Today article around shame. 
Um, we'll, Which we'll link in the show. Notes. Yeah. And then another great book to read on shame. It's it's truly my favorite book I've ever read on shame. is It's called The Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. It is an amazing, amazing book on shame. Yeah. If I could quote Mr. Thompson, um, he says... Uh, Shame hijacks our bodies, disintegrating the lower and upper regions of our brains, disconnecting us from the parts of ourselves God made to help us access hope, meaning, and trust. And it really makes me think like, you know, if ultimately our goal as Christians is to bring the kingdom to earth, right? Like to advance the kingdom, to be good servants of like another kingdom. To your point about like, you know, if, if a crazy miracle were to happen live on Facebook or whatever, I'm still not sure that everyone would believe, or I'm not even sure it would move the needle as much as you think. To that point, it's like, do would you always have to kind of ask yourself, like, if we're looking to advance the kingdom of God, would this miracle um, change as many people's minds as ha- by happening as if this miracle doesn't happen, how many people will be felt pushed away from the kingdom like how will how will the kingdom recede uh if through shame and through bad theology and and all of that stuff um that's something that i struggle with a lot like what's the difference between different theology than mine and bad theology sure yeah yeah. (laughs) you know so like uh so to that point what do you think moves the needle more olive being raised from the dead if, if that had happened or uh all of christianity working together to end world hunger and the water shortage, which we could do, and help so many people. There's no shame involved in it. There's no anything. I think the practical nature of the generosity and love of other people and the unity of Christians working together, we ended world hunger. Um, I think that would move the needle more than the resurrection of somebody or a specific miracle. And I think, but here's what I would also say. All of Christianity being unified to do that is a miracle. Like, that would be another kind of miracle, right. right? But it's a, but it's one where you see how God works in different ways through all of that. And so I just think, I, again, I'm a yes to miracles and I'm a yes to praying for them and a yes to all those things. But you cannot deny that what Jesus taught was the love of other people as the law of Christ. And that moves the needle more than anything mm. in terms of how people receive Jesus. So pastorally, um, Somebody comes to you and says, um, you know, so my loved one is sick or I'm sick. I'm sick. And I really, really deep down in my heart believe that God is going to heal me. And then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So somebody comes to you and, and as, as their pastor and says, I looked, I felt that I looked God in the face and said, please heal this person. Yeah. And he looked back at me and said, no what's your like what is your what's your response and i mean i know it's different like you know each person individually being pastoral is knowing a person before but like how how do we respond to that in uh with a position and a theology that like highlights the idea that god is a living god that mourns with us even when he doesn't raise us from the dead yeah i you know i think it would be multifaceted first i would encourage the person's faith because you're showing such deep faith and trust in God to believe that he could actually heal. And that is something to be encouraged. Um, I think I would also just point out that throughout Scripture, some some things happen, it, like they, the healings happen and sometimes they don't. 
Um, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't, that Jesus never taught that we wouldn't suffer or go through pain. He actually taught the opposite, that that's going to happen. And so that we take great comfort in that, knowing that he's still with us in the midst of this. If you had, if you had enough trust and faith to believe God could heal, then we have to have enough trust and faith that God will be with us when he doesn't. Mm. And so I think, does it make it easy? No. Um, but then that comes the love and grace part that you walk people through uh, after that. And you begin to start seeing, even though he didn't heal in that way, that you start seeing him at work in other ways, you know. And so um, I've seen this personally, you know, um, Lacey's mom has, you know, MS and has prayed, still prays, like for decades and decades to get healed from it. And but you know what? She never has. And, um, and she's gotten actually worse in some ways and some different health issues and others. And, but man, like she, her trust in who God is, has continued to grow or faith has continued because no matter what faith is a risk, right? I mean, it's, it's a risk. And so we've got to embrace that part of it too. And so I, it's tough, you know, when someone, if someone does say something like that, or they have the question of like, you know, why did so-and-so get healed? Mine didn't, you know, or anything like that. But I think you encourage first. Um, and you um, make sure that there's no shame about any of that and really like kind of elevate the fact that they are like trusting God to, and then we trust God in it and we trust God that maybe he can bring us out of it, you know? So that's what I would concentrate on. Yeah, that's good. Um, I can't remember, I can't like attribute this to somebody right now, but I know it's a quote from someone, but I can remember uh, when faced with that question, um, I've heard it said that God, when you ask for something good, like to be healed or to be, you know, somebody be raised from the dead, some miracle to happen, that's not like, oh, God, please give me a BMW or sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, God never says n- no. He says not yet. Yeah. Um, I really always kind of liked that because, like, ultimately, I think one of the things that we can get caught up in, especially when the specific ask is a, is a re- resurrection, is that um, our resurrection is real. You know, like the, the, the promise of Jesus is like, yeah, you will be resurrected. We're all going to be resurrected. Yeah. It may not just be right now. Um, and I think that sometimes, as much as we have faith, as some communities like find that there is lack of faith in miracles or lack of praying for miracles or lack of supernatural influence or whatever, I think we all struggle with that lack of faith that heaven is as good as Jesus says sure. it is yeah. and that it's real, you know. I would say this too, and we can link this in the show notes. There's a video out there from uh, Dr. Tony Evans. His wife just passed away. And at the funeral service, um, the the son was was preaching. And I watched this, like it's like a three-minute video. And I just thought, I was like, man, that is so cool. Because he is talking about his mom, and, and he just made the statement. He's like, we were praying for healing, but now she's healed. Mm. You know, we, we were praying for hope and now she has the ultimate hope. We were praying for life and now she's alive. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, and, and at first you're like, you're like, yeah, but they, she didn't get healed. She yeah. didn't, re-. but they're like, no, no, no. It's like, it, she has all of the things. We're, we're praying for a deeper relationship with God. She's got the deepest, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, that is like the Christian hope, right? Like the, you, you can only get through Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's something different that Christianity offers. And it is a, I watched that. I'm like, man, that is like, that is like top shelf faith right there. Mm, That's awesome. 
Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us um, uh, on this discussion uh, and for this week. If you would like to email in uh, a suggestion, comment, concern, you can do that to stay curious. I think it's stay curious at Hill City RVA. It's been a while. Stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Uh, go ahead and email us. Rate us and review us when you get a chance. And also go follow us on social media. Again, it is Stay Curious Pod on Instagram and Stay Curious Cast on Twitter. We'd love it if you all would uh, go follow us and join in on the conversation. Um, thanks as always to my co-host John for being here. Thanks to you all for listening. And remember to stay